Welcome everyone to KSQD Santa Cruz at 90.7 FM. I'm Jacob Sheckman and you're listening to our show, What To Be, where we interview inspiring people and highlight their careers. What To Be is a program provided by Your Future Is Our Business, a Santa Cruz County nonprofit dedicated to helping students explore careers through programs such as college and career expos, career panels, and other work-based learning activities. Please note the views and opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily represent or reflect those of Natural Bridges Media or Your Future Is Our Business. The information provided during this program does not reflect this career in its entirety. Since we're hosting interviews through video call, we want to apologize in advance for any lack in audio quality. Now, finally, today, I am excited to be joined by our guest, Dr. Kat Knauer. Thanks so much for being here, Kat. Thanks for having me, Jake. Yeah. Your radio voice. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, (laughs) See, Kat's commenting on my radio voice and calling me Jake like no one else does. It's okay. I still like it because Kat and I are great friends. Kat actually introduced me or helped introduce me to a bunch of folks at my graduate school at the University of Southern Mississippi, where she earned her PhD in polymer science and engineering, and is here to talk to us today about her career as a senior scientist and brand ambassador. Kat, where are you a senior scientist and brand ambassador? So I'm a senior scientist with a small startup uh, based out of San Francisco, we're called Bioselection, and uh, we're actually a chemical recycling startup technology. So we've found um, a pretty cool way to take polyethylene waste and break it down into chemical building blocks that we can then make new materials from rather than disposing it in landfill or melting it down like conventional te- technologies. What and- the heck is polyethylene waste and where does that okay. come from? Okay. No problem. So... Uh, Everyone listening in, I'm sure you guys are all aware of plastic waste and the um, enormous uh, social and economic issue becoming and the plastic waste in the ocean and and so on and so forth. So polyethylene waste, it makes up most of that plastic waste that we see end up in rivers and oceans. And this is a material that's used in a lot of food packaging. It's that clear saran wrap that's around pallets that's around food, that's dry cleaning bags, it's sandwich bags, it's grocery bags. It's it's pretty much anything that's like a film that you see in the garbage, that's polyethylene waste. So you take, your job is to take any of this polyethylene waste. And like you said, you break it down into smaller chemical blocks. So you're trying to break it down and repurpose it for something else. Exactly. So right now, what people usually do is they collect it and they melt it down and then they try to reform it into a new useful material and there's a lot of issues I won't go into all the problems with that technology but essentially what happens is there's a lot of contamination and a lot of uh, degradation when you do that but the benefit of using chemistry instead is it purifies the material and it breaks it back down into something of really high value that can be used by anybody, again, to, to essentially make either more polyethylene or a completely new type of material as well. So clearly, this is a very complex thing you're trying to tackle. Can you tell us actually about the education that you've had to go through to be able to get to the point where you can actually do the things you're trying to do now? Sure. I actually love this question because I think that So many of us who are passionate about chemistry, for example, just don't really have an idea at a a younger age, like our audience today, 
what it actually means to grow up and be a chemist and, and solve problems. Um, so when you think of plastic waste, at least when I was in eighth grade, I didn't think of plastic waste as being a chemistry problem, right? That kind of just seemed like a garbage problem. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, uh, you know, where Jake and I both went to grad school, we specialized in, in polymers and that's when we learned what those were and that all the plastic in the world is, is made from polymers, which um, as much as plastic is becoming such a negative thing, they're remarkable materials that have significantly improved our quality of life. But then through learning about polymers, I also subsequently learned that this plastic waste issue was such a big problem and, and really there was a lot not being done to solve it at the time. Um, and so as I grew in my career and started learning more about polymers, that's when I started learning about how they can be broken back down. And that's what ultimately kind of helped me get a better understanding of like, okay, well, why are we all just throwing plastic away? Isn't it valuable carbons? It's valuable chemistry. Um, and so as I learned more about polymers through grad school and then my previous, uh, job before this at a, at a chemical company, that's what kind of got me thinking about using the same type of chemistry we use to make polymers and make new materials to break them back down and reuse them. And so it's it was kind of a longer journey to really understand how to do that. And that's what helped me meet all the amazing women and other people I work with that had these same ideas. And so it's it's novel. Like most of the time people are like, why can't we just melt it and reform it? But We've had recycling like that for 20 years and it still isn't working, hence the reason we have so much plastic waste. <laughs> um, so it's really given chemists this new opportunity to come onto, you know, the innovation scene and the Silicon Valley world and, and be like, hey, we have a solution. Like, why don't you utilize the people's knowledge of chemistry to do this? Um, so that's kind of what brought me into solving this problem and, and how I learned to solve it. And I, there's a question I see being asked here. Normally, I, of course, wouldn't ask these till the second half, but this is very important. What is polymer science? Oh my gosh, I love these questions. These are this is such a good one because it can mean so many things. Um, it's it's one of the coolest fields to be in, and I know I'm biased because I am a polymer chemist. Uh, but polymers are are a part of everything that we touch in our everyday lives. And so even, I mean, from the medical field to personal and beauty care, to your automotive uh, technologies, to aerospace, to everything. So, I mean, polymers are used to deliver drugs to our bodies. Polymers are used to make our skin look radiant. Polymers are used to package our food and preserve it. Most of the interior of your car is, is polymers. And so, when you think of polymer science, it's really so much more um, than just kind of one particular field. It's 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 hundreds, and I happen to have a passion for sustainability and environmentalism, which kind of led me to pursue polymers um, in plastics and then you know plastic recycling technologies. But others have a passion for you know they want to work on cancer research, and then there's all kinds of amazing polymers that are being developed to help make uh, chemotherapy more efficient and targeted drug delivery for those purposes. So polymer science encompasses all those things. And if you are interested in polymers, um, I highly recommend looking more into it because it's such a versatile chemistry. Um, and it, it, it's just, it's a great field to be into uh, because of the fact that you can 
if you have a passion for something, I guarantee you polymers are in it. <laughs> and yeah. you, can, you can work on it. Absolutely true. She's hitting the nail on the head there. Now, let's say uh, we're in a normal world. We are uninhibited by the, the virus around us. What is a regular day at work for you like? You, you show up. What do you do? So I like this question, too, because I think Jake can probably relate when we're in grad school. It's a question we always have as students <laughs> and no one ever really seems to answer it. I don't know what it was about that, but I could never get a direct answer yeah. from anybody. It would always be very obscure, like, oh, well, you know, I'm kind of a chemist, but I'm kind of this too. And, you know, I do a lot of things and I'm like, okay, but tell me about your day to day. So I'm going to try really hard to, to answer this. Okay. So I 100% work in a laboratory. So I'm kind of that stereotypical chemist in a way, if you think about it, that I am at a bench with all my PPE, you know, setting up reactions every day. Oh, wait, um, what, what is PPE? Oh, sure. PPE is such a big topic right now. So PPE is your uh, protective personal equipment. And that's going to be, you know, my safety glasses, my lab coat, my uh, gloves. Um, a lot of times I'm wearing a respirator mask because some of the chemicals that we have to use can be dangerous to breathe in. Um, and so I'm, I'm usually decked out in a lot of my laboratory gear on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, and I'm, I work at a bench and I'm, I'm doing what I love, which is chemistry. And I would say that's probably 70% of my day. And then the other part of my day is a lot of um, explaining kind of what I do to my investors, to my CEO, to my CTO, to potential customers. And so I think this is something that we also kind of learn as chemists in our careers is that it's one thing to be a good chemist, but it's a completely other thing to effectively communicate chemistry to audiences. And this is one of, you know, we're in a society right now that there's a stigma that no one really wants to listen to the scientists. So I don't know if there's Parks and Rec fans out there, but one of my favorite lines of Parks and Rec <laughs> is when Leslie Note says, all I have on my side are facts and science. And people hate facts and science. <laughs> and it's so true. <laughs> because no one ever wants to listen to the scientists. And that's because in the past, there was always a stereotype that we weren't good communicators. Um, so I highly you know, encourage everyone to always be pushing themselves to, to work on communicating. Because if you can, it makes your chemistry and what you do so much more powerful. And so that's why I say that's the other 30% of my job is so much communication, especially in a topic like recycling that there's so much confusion on and people don't understand why they're not doing it correctly. Why is there so many problems with it? And if I went in there and was just like, I'm a smart one, you don't get it, you know, blah, 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 that kind of attitude, everyone would shut down. So you really have to learn how to be approachable and open and and communicating things in a way that everybody understands. And so that's a lot of my my job is is that. And that's where the term brand ambassador came from, is is learning how to do that. So I, I love how you talk about how important communication is, especially in, in this field and being able to translate all of these complex ideas. A lot of people, I think, maybe sort of assume or imagine that uh, a chemist like yourself would go through through schooling and you, you know, you've got to do all this math and the science and physics. There's, there's some complex, hard intellectual skills that you have to learn, 
But then you talked about how important communication was and how uh, that's a very important soft skill. What other soft skills or, or skills that might not typically be associated with that white coat have you gained that you've found to be helpful in this job? Oh, that's, I, I like the way you phrase that, by the way, like not associated with the white coat. That's, I'm going to be stealing I'm, that. Nice. I just that. came up with that too. It's pretty good. I thank you. It's clever. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Other than communication, which as I mentioned, so important. Um, I think empathizing with your audience and empathizing with others is something that I never thought I would use as much as I do in my career. Um, and this is something that comes into play a lot with mentoring. Um, so when you are talking to someone that you're trying to help through a really difficult project or a really difficult problem they're on, <clears throat> I, empathy, empathy can go a really long way because people don't want you to just sit there and feel sorry for them. They want you to relate and help them through it. And so I, I had trouble with empathy in the beginning when I got out of grad school and I started mentoring uh, technicians in my lab where you know, I had a way of working and this was my style and I wanted everyone to accommodate it. And then I realized it just like wasn't working. And I made a technician cry once and I'll never forget it because I always thought I was a really nice person. But when it comes to my work, I guess I got a little bit more serious. So that really taught me how to take that step back and learn how to empathize and also um, how to coach rather than just tell people what to do. So right. co learning how to kind of coach, I think, is a weird way to put it, but it's so true if you're trying to help others or coach others through something rather than boss them through it, I guess. Uh, so those are some other skills I think that have helped me. Just a reminder for those who are just tuning in, you're listening to What to Be at KSQD 90.7 Santa Cruz. I'm Jacob Sheckman, and today we're speaking with Dr. Kat Knauer and learning about her career journey to becoming a senior scientist oh, and brand ambassador. Now, all right, folks. Oh, nice. I'm seeing a lot more questions come in. So here is where we switch over because we want to hear from you. So first up, we have what are some of the specific problems that are coming from these plastics? So what they're clarifying here is, uh, is this an air pollution something or something physical like uh, plastic floating in the ocean? Good. This is a good one. Um, so most of the pollution problem of, of plastics is, is in the form of littering, of course. So there's a huge gyre in the Pacific Ocean that is just a massive island of plastic. And when it first started happening, people were like, well, can it just stay there and not affect anything? No, because despite the popular belief that plastics never break down, they actually do. And that's those little tiny flecks of plastics, the microplastics that we see. Those get ingested by birds, by other animals. They cause tons of problems in marine wildlife and they're killing animals. Uh, so littering in the ocean is a physical pollution. I liked the phrasing of that in the question. Um, through the fact that it's harming so much marine wildlife. What we also don't understand either is that a lot of these plastics aren't just the polymer. They're formulations of a lot of components and these chemicals that are inside of it can leach out over time and pollute waterways, <clears throat> pollute our, our drinking water, can pollute our drinking water. Um, so there's a lot forming uh, and building up in the environment. And even as these materials break down, they cause dust. And eventually that can become air pollution and we could be breathing this in. So it's, it's a, a pollute, a pollutant across a couple different fields. Wow. Okay. I, I 
wasn't aware of that last part. That's kind of terrifying. Yeah, it's scary. <laughs> so uh, what would you say you're proudest of when it comes to your work? Oh, okay. So I think what I'm most proud of is that I am working towards fighting a, a, a big societal problem. And I mean, when I became a chemist, I know all of us at the younger age are hoping we're going to help the world, right? I think that's pretty much across the board. We all think, okay, how do I help people one day? And we all do it through different ways. And we have amazing doctors and nurses out there during the COVID-19 crisis that are just you know, leading that battle on our heroes every day. But then there's other ways you can do it too. So plastic pollution, it's hurting people, especially in third world countries. It's affecting their livelihoods. And I like to believe that my tiny little startup here in California is somehow going to help those people later down the road. And, and I'm very proud of that because we're not making any money yet and we're not projected to make millions. We're not going to sell our startup and become billionaires from it. <laughs> it's just something that we're crossing our fingers and hoping takes on so that we can actually help people. And that's what I'm pretty proud of is, is that part of my job. Mm -hmm. So we have another question that's saying, are pointing out, clearly you are passionate about making the world a better place using the scientific field. What advice do you have for our students to help make the world better too? Oh, wow. These are such great questions. Um, I definitely advise in eighth grade, it's hard to kind of, you know, know what your passions are in life, but some of us are already kind of getting there. And it was uh, in eighth grade that I had kind of a little bit of my first introduction to really being passionate about environmentalism. And that was, uh, I lived in Florida, that's where I grew up. And my mom was using this ant killer on our yard, a fire ant killer, and it was making my dog sick. And I thought it was, I'd never got proof of that. Um, but I remember telling my mom that I didn't want her to use the fire ant killer anymore. But she was like, we have to get rid of the fire ants. They're terrible. And so I did like a whole project of trying to find a natural way to kill fire ants. Um, and I found that instant grits was really effective. And it's uh, apparently the powder of instant grits, if they eat it, it expands in their stomachs and it, it kills them. <laughs> so, I, we're, <laughs> we're in we're in central california can you please describe grits to us oh, yeah, that's, right. that's an unfamiliar deep meal so grits are kind <laughs> of like cornmeal or uh, polenta if that's more california <laughs> but um it's like it's a powder that you just sprinkle in and they add water to it and they expand and it kind of looks like um like little tiny couscous or or polenta and uh, it's high in sodium and they expand really rapidly. And apparently that killed the fire ants. But I thought that this was so cool that, you know, there could be better solutions out there to what we're already using. And that kind of got me really passionate about using science and environmentalism together. And so my, my advice would be to kind of find that and start exploring and seeing, you know, what really like makes you upset about things, like the current state of the world? Like, is it the fact that we're not all using electric vehicles? and you think we should be, you know, maybe that's something you want to pursue or the fact that there's so much income inequality and you, you know, you want to help make that better and start pursuing things in government and legislation. Like there's just kind of start thinking about what your passions are and, you know, what you like feel is going to really get you motivated in your schooling and, and, you know, later down the line. Mm -hmm. All right. We have another question popping up here. That's 
a bit off topic, but I think gives us a, or helps give us an insight into who you are. Which of these would you say is your favorite? The Office, Parks and Rec, or Friends? Such a great question. That's really hard. I would say if I had to choose one to be on in the background every day of my life, The Office. Okay. Oh, I don't know. That's tough. So is that really your favorite? It's just in the background. Well, what I mean, like in the background, I mean, you know, if I just had had it on all the time and it will always make me laugh, probably (laughs) The Office. I mean, I love all three. I do. But I think The Office is like, if I'm on an airplane and it's there, I'm going to watch it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Great. All right. Let's go back to your job here. I'm curious, what would you say is, I guess, your, your, either your most stressful or your least favorite part of the job? I'd probably say my most stressful part of my job is that chemistry and research in general takes a long time. It doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how many hours you put in a day. It just takes a long time to get to something that works. And this is something that in grad school, you and I both have witnessed this. It's it's frustrating. And sometimes you feel like you're going to work every day just to fail. And that can be really, really hard mentally on someone. Um, And then finally, one day you get that tiny little win and it makes like everything better. But sometimes those are few and far between when it comes to research. And I'd say that's probably something when I have my bad days where I'm just like, can I just win the lottery and donate to recycling technologies instead of <laughs> working on it? I, I have to, you know, push through those moments. And then, you know, one day something really good happens. Like I've been, I was trying to mold a type of material forever and it was just never working. I worked weeks on it to try to get a good mold. And it was actually bad. Wait, what does that mean? What does oh, that mean so, to mold? Um, so when you take plastic and melt it down, you can mold it into different shapes. And so we had to mold this, our new material we were making into a shape that we could then do testing on that customers wanted to see. And I just could not get it to work. I mean, it was just a failure every single day. And it was actually Valentine's Day that I was, it was like 530. I was getting ready to leave. And I took my mold out of the oven being like, okay, let's look, see how terrible this looks. And I pulled it out and it was perfect. And I was, oh my, it was just one, you know, I had to make hundreds of these still, but I was like, oh my God, it was just like the most amazing moment. Um, And we call these molds dog bones. And so it was kind of funny because I came home uh, and my boyfriend was like, hey, happy Valentine's Day. And we had a joke going that all I wanted for Valentine's Day was a dog bone, um, which sounds bad because it makes me like, think I'm a dog but it, anyways it's not that great of a joke but it was funny at the time <laughs> <laughs> okay but that was like a big win and that helped me kind of get over that frustration at least for a few more weeks till you know I get frustrated again yeah I think that painted a pretty good picture of some of the some of the common stresses you face in lab as a grad student or apparently in your career now but can you talk about going through your career as in such a male dominated field cuz you've I I remember you you stood out as a, a respected scientist among all scientists at our program. You uh, so clearly you you managed to establish establish yourself well, 
but uh, I can only imagine that there were extra hurdles you had to go through. So what, what, how did you do that? How did you help yourself move through some of those things that only you had to go through as a woman? Well, one, thank you. I'm very flattered um, what you said. Uh, two, it's, it's going to be an issue. It is in this field, absolutely. Um, and there's really no way of getting around it, but there's ways of looking at it instead, uh, especially where, you know, where Jake and I went to grad school in the South, it was a little bit more conservative. There was some older professors that were kind of like waiting to retire type thing. Um, so the way I kind of overcame some of those challenges is um, through two ways, I would say. One, I think embracing some of that adversity could be really beneficial. So yes, I, I, I was a female in a mostly male-dominated field, but that sometimes worked in my favor. Sometimes I got people to listen to me a little bit more and uh, because they were worried about offending me or something like that. And I, you know, some, my mom always taught me kill them with kindness. And so that was something I really employed in grad school when I was trying to get someone to help me with a microscope. And sometimes being a girl helped with that. And I, I'm not trying to say that you should, you know, exploit your femininity to get things done. That's not my, that's not what I'm teaching these eighth, eighth graders. I just mean that sometimes we're so scared to be feminine because we think like, well, this is going to make me look weak, but that's not necessarily true. Sometimes someone's just like, you can just use that to, to be, uh, you know, extra nice to someone. And they're like, wow, that's really nice. Someone hasn't been that nice to me in a long time. I'm going to help her with that microscope. And so I, I found that that kind of worked in my favor. And also it, it is setting yourself apart and it gives you a platform to kind of shine on if you take advantage of it. And so because I stood out as a female in a male dominated field, that gave me motivation to also be the best I could be, if that makes sense. So I went out and tried to get every award I could. I went out, I said yes to every opportunity. And because of that, it gave me a lot more recognition and uh, kind of visibility to people. It helped me get a really great career at BASF and then my new job here in, in California. Um, so I think that if people are looking at you, you know, take advantage of it and give them a reason to look. So that's kind of how I, how I kind of dealt with it. And having a good support system of women has helped a lot in my life. So I'm lucky that I have a really, my mother is a, a engineer, my sister's an engineer. And I had a great group of girlfriends that helped me as well. So, you know, embracing other women and, and finding like-minded women to kind of help you deal with some of these things and complain about too, that was also a way to get through it. Awesome. All right, just a couple minutes left here, everyone. Kat, what advice or resources can you give to our students who are maybe interested in pursuing something within this field? So some advice, you know, I would definitely start getting involved in uh, extracurricular activities, maybe at your school that are focused in sustainability and environmentalism. Um, a lot of schools now have environmental groups you can join, recycling clubs. Um, just to kind of get you learning about the issues and and helping at a small stage in the beginning of your path into science and solving problems. Um, my other advice would be to explore, you know, what special kind, sometimes high schools will offer specialized classes if you're interested in a topic. This is something that's being introduced in curriculum around the country. So some high schools are even offering polymer chemistry classes. Um, so taking a look into that and maybe getting out of your comfort zone and if, don't be worried that 
if you're not good at math, you're never going to be good at science or vice versa, you know, just pushing yourself to try new things um, and taking advantage of, of things that like what Jake is doing, tuning into this kind of stuff, learning about different careers and what people have done. And that's helped me a lot is, you know, seeing presentations and talks and interviews of someone that I was like, wow, that job sounds awesome. Like, that's what I want to do. Um, I think there's so much of that out there and you guys are living in a digital age where you can access that. So that's really cool. And so, yeah, keep doing what you're doing and tune into this kind of stuff. Yeah, guys, tune into this stuff. <laughs> all right, Kat, that's all we got. Thank you so much for being on the show today. This was amazing and I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I really, I appreciate it. And uh, stay safe, everybody <laughs> out there and, you know, be careful and hope everyone's doing well. Absolutely. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to today's career story. I'm Jacob Sheckman, and this is our show, What to Be, with today's guest, Dr. Kat Knauer, a senior scientist at, and brand ambassador. And with which company, Kat? Bioselection. With Bioselection. If you have any questions or would like to share your story with us, send us an email at whattoberadio at gmail.com. If you enjoyed our show, please join us again at 90.7 FM KSQD Santa Cruz at 7 p.m. on Sundays, stream online at ksqd.org, or visit our website, yfiob.org, for more ways to listen. Thank you, and see you next time.